Hey, it's Gil from the Mind Buzz. Today's Mind Culture and Social Podcast. And you're listening to Pods Like Us. Welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv, and today I'm talking with John Nicholson from Songwriters and Original Songs. How are you, John? I'm very well, thanks, Martin. Very well indeed. Um, well, we finished our day here, so it's evening now, so we're just slowly running down towards the night time now. I, I had my breakfast an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> I had my tea an hour ago. So there you go. <laughs> So but the future's looking bright, so don't worry about it. That's true. That's true. So what was your introduction to podcasting then, John? Oh, well, I've, I've, I've always listened to a few podcasts. Um, um, I'm, I'm a big, you know, I'm very much into original songs and I basically hunted every source I could find to find anything I could about uh, songwriting particularly. And as podcasts sort of came up, I started listening to them and, you know, as you'd know, they're, they're, they're many and varied, and and I suddenly I, I I felt I found to me a, a gap, you know, in the market. Something I had never, I had not seen um, what I call very personal um, original songs, and um, and so I decided that I would have a crack myself, um, as you probably know I'm always happy to talk about anything so talking about uh, one of my favorite topics songwriting was a quite next step unfortunately I have a son in Australia and as well as one in England and my one in in Australia is very techno and he helped me set up um, um, uh, uh, a provider for me and helped me set up my podcast from the start and um, he still keeps an eye on me to make sure I stay on the straight and narrow and I basically jumped in and said right I'm going to give it a go and you know from before I listened to episodes one and two they're a little bit sketchy now but as time moves on I'm sure as you know you just get pretty good at it and 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 much more efficient I guess is is the way it is it doesn't take anywhere near as long and and uh, um, um, I probably get through quite a bit more and and I think it's probably enjoyable more enjoyable for everybody so that was my introduction was pretty much I just Decided I wanted to do something. I knew lots of songwriters. I thought their songs were worth hearing, and I thought I'd just jump in and have a go. 
Wow, that's great. So describe your show then for anybody that's listening. What is it that exactly that you uh, do? Yeah, the, the, the niche that I was looking for was, it wasn't just about original songs. I, I wanted it to be slightly personal. And what I mean by that is, I don't play a song on my show that I don't have some knowledge of the person or something about the person. Sometimes, occasionally, it'll be a very small bit, but most of the people that I play the song, I've met somewhere, I've talked to online, I've been in a group with them, I've been on in an online group with them. They've been in something like you know, February Album Writing Month or for the 5090 show, or I do 100 days of songwriting or... Uh, people that do a, a magazine in England called uh, Right Away Lyrics, uh, Right Away Magazine. And so all those different places I know all these people from. So when I decided to do it, I didn't want to say this is Bob Smith and this is the song. I wanted to say this is Martin Corbell known as Mars Smooth. And I met Martin about three years ago in form and I really liked the songs he played there. You know, So I wanted to become more personalised. So, so my show is always around the fact that the people I'm playing songs of, I have at least some, even sometimes a little bit tenuous, but I always have some relationship with the people in some way. So it's more than just I'm playing a person. It's actually a story about a person as well. I'll say where they're from, what I know about them, what they're doing. Um, and so so that's that's the key. We, we normally, a standard show would have eight original songs um, through it um, and then and then a um, one... A segment which is sometimes is my favorite songwriter where I get somebody to talk about their favorite songwriter or I also have another guy um so they come from around the world I have a guy in Halifax called um in Glencross and he he does uh, book reviews on on uh, songwriting ones and then we have um the main guest we then play three of their songs and have a talk to them probably about a 25 minute segment and plus three songs as well so a standard episode would have two segments um, and 11 songs. That would be pretty much the standard. Um, and there's no, I don't discount any style or, or anything. You know, I, it'd be fair to say probably I, I was surprised I haven't had a slightly wider range than I, I would have liked a few real weird and wackies, but sometimes I think you attract the kind of people that they hear the general style of music you get. So, so we are sort of more in that sort of middle range of music, sort of singer-songwriter to edge of rock and stuff like that, and a bit of electronic, but but not really as much out there stuff. Um, I was lucky to have on a guy I believe you've interviewed as well, G. Slade. I think that's yep. right, isn't it? Yep, George Slade. So, yep. and, and George Slade, who's a rapper from Mississippi. So he's been on my show, and... Um, and we've, he was a featured artist and we played three of his songs and really good ones. So I do like to try and get some, some different styles. But um, generally sp- speaking, as I said, um, I will say if you don't like this song, hopefully you'll like the next one. So, you know, but uh, it's all, so we, we, we take, I take what I get. There's always songs out there. Um, um, I, I get them, as I said. Uh, I think a lot of people assumed at the beginning that I was, it was all about form, but it's not. I'd probably say about, Two-thirds, maybe now, of my songs are from Form and 5090, but a third of the songs are from clearly different places. And in some of my early episodes, it was only half of them. Uh, and the same with my listeners. My listeners aren't all songwriters. I have. I was actually talking to a few yesterday. They don't write songs at all. They just like listening to music. So 
I try and keep my show slightly balanced so I don't go into too much technical stuff. Um, I try and keep it at the level where people can just enjoy listening, um, um, even if they don't have a really strong depth of knowledge of music or of uh, songwriting process. So that's pretty much the show and the, how it goes about. It usually lasts around an hour, between an hour 15 and an hour 25. I don't think I've ever gone outside that range. And it's out every fortnight, Wednesday, every second week. Okay, so you're not, um, well, as a musician yourself, you're not actually going into the nitty-gritty of how the songs are put together, but it is your own history with music that uh, made you come up with the show in the first place. Yeah, sure. Um, well, it, it's my love of music. You know, I, I'm, I'm one of those people, um, I, I'm of that generation. When I was young, you know, the, the thing we did, I mean, I'm showing my age now, you know, we had cassettes. And, the, and you listen to shows and things and you used to do your little, used to do your mixtape. And that was, the, and the most exciting thing was listening to the chart show and whatever it was and hearing the new song. And I am, I am an addict for the thrill of the chase. To me, the thrill of the chase. I want to hear that next great song, you know. And so I hunt down any kind of original song that I can find. I just want to, and, and as soon as I hear another good one, I go, oh, it's fantastic. I, you know, of course I listen to old, older music and favourite music, but most of my time, my my music is always searching for the next good song, the next good song and the next good song, both for myself that I write and that I hear other people play. And I just love it and that's why I've joined so many groups. I just like hearing what other people do and and, you know, my experience in life is that if someone's enthusiastic about something, you're much more likely to get other people enthusiastic about it. And what I hope my enthusiasm for the original songs comes across in my podcast and other people get enthusiastic about listening to it as well. Because um, I love just love listening to other people's songs and seeing what the next one sounds like in the next one. Well, I can definitely hear that enthusiasm when I've listened to you. Um... You like the songs that you're choosing and you like the subjects that you're uh, talking about or that you've picked and you enjoy the guests that you talk to as well and that definitely comes across. Good. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not... I don't, this is meant to be a compliment. No, I'm not particularly um, choosy. I don't sit down and think I'm not going to ask that guy because I don't like him. If somebody approaches me and wants to put a song on I'll put it on pretty much if I know them and know of them I'll give them a go even if I think their music is a bit different a bit you know a little bit more unusual I still you know I, that fortunately I do have such a wide taste in music that there isn't much to me that's weird you know um, uh, I'm definitely not just into mainstream music I love lots of music that I can't do myself you know so just if people heard what I write um, I'm still very comfortable with music well outside where I could actually play music. So, so yeah, I do have a very wide range of music. So I enjoy whatever people come up with. I can always see good in it. And, you know, I, I do have a general, what I'd call that form ethos, you know, that people put music out there and you can always find good stuff about it, can't you? You know, you know, and, and yes, I'm sure if I sat down and looked at every song I played, there are some I like, a little some I like, a lot and some I absolutely love, you know, and 
Um, but there's always good things about every piece of music you hear. That's true. And it's that uh, love of different types of music that inspired you to take up music yourself then, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm probably... I, I talk to so many people that are um, in my boat um, in that I played as a as a young guy and played in a few bands when I was you know, a young bloke and played music and um, reality hit home that I wasn't ever going to be a star pretty quick and uh, and um, I went and did a day job, you know, and then you have family and children and and the music, just the listening always stayed with me, you know, a huge amount of listening always stayed with me, but the actual playing really, really drifted off until about probably about um, oh, probably about 20 years ago, I actually... After playing in bands as a young bloke, I went back and relearned to play the guitar again. I actually went and met a guy, a wonderful guy, a guy in a wheelchair who'd been a great performer and um, had an illness and was um, so wheelchair bound. He taught a bloke called Morris and he taught me guitar again. And and once once I could play guitar again, I started messing around. And very quickly after I started messing around, I wanted to write things and. And probably I just wanted to write songs and music and, um, you know, I'm a I'm very, very self-contained person. I've always been a pretty confident person. But, yeah, I was knocked around as a, as a young bloke about singing and and I didn't think I could sing at all, you know. And, and so even when I played music, I never tried to sing much because I still remembered people saying when I was young that I couldn't sing, you know. And it took a long time, probably 10 years ago, before I had the confidence to actually start singing in public. And then I started gigging a lot and I, I've, I've played hundreds and hundreds of gigs since then. And I don't have any illusions about what my voice is like, but I feel quite confident to do it now. But, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, and I think that, that's what why I'm so encouraging of songwriters because I can see how um, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, sort of morose about it or upset, you know, life gives you all sorts of things. But but unquestionably, the hits I took in my music when I was younger certainly stopped me from doing as much in my middle years, um, without a doubt. And I hate to see that. And that's why I'm, I'm really keen always to encourage um, people to create music in a safe environment now because, I, you know, I know there's a lot of people who are a lot less a lot more fragile than I am and and they you know creative souls sometimes need to be nurtured and uh, and so I think that people that go out there and put their music out in the in the in the community in any shape or form should be encouraged every opportunity yeah so you mentioned earlier on about uh, about form how did you get involved in form and any other songwriting challenges that you take part in well funny enough um, I'd been in lots of other stuff, but I hadn't been informed to uh, about four or five years ago. And I was, I, I, I um, am a um, administrator for a, uh, a Facebook page in the, uh, called the Ukulele Songwriters Alliance because okay. I do teach ukulele. And, um, and I um, used to talk to this gentleman called Ian Glencross, who's a fantastic, he's a great guitarist too, but he's a great ukulele player. He comes from Halifax in, in the UK. And um, 
he approached me and said he was starting a ukulele songwriters. It's for only original songs. Um, in um, uh, and, and wanted to know if I wanted to be part of it with him and help him set it up and get it going. And I'm still a, a moderator on that site to this day. And the tie-up to that was I'd been on that site for a while and a lady who lives, yeah, only a, two or three hours away, probably a bit more than that, four or five hours away from me in Australia, as you do, you know, on sites, because I was another Australian, she sort of talked to me a couple of times and she said to me, and her name is, um, I think she's, her name is Tina D. Tunes and she's been on form quite a few years. So she's not been on this year at all. Um and she sent me a message and said, John, why don't you have a crack at form? Um, so in that sort of roundabout way, I went through this place in England and Tina came on and said to me, go and have a look at form. And um, I still laugh about it that she encouraged me and I got into form, which has made a huge difference to me. And, and ironically, the one thing she always said was she couldn't perform. And myself and a few others um, kept encouraging her that she was so good she should perform. And I ran a small music festival last year and she was third on the bill. And uh, wow. it was wonderful to hear her. And she has a wonderful voice and uh, and she's a very good uh, musician. People were quite blown away because she's very different, more classical in you know in style. I don't mean popular song, pop songs, but, but, you know, she plays the uke and the cello and the guitar and she has a wonderful voice and... Uh, yeah, and so it sort of came around. It was wonderful that after she got me to form, I got her back out performing. It was great. So what were those formative um, artists or groups that got you inspired and into getting into music in the first place? Well, I was, I was, my age, I had a, it's a very long story, but just we'll just say for, it's, it's, for, it's easy to say, I have a sister who's eight years older than me. And I was born when I was so when I was about six years old, I had a sixteen year old sister and it was at the time that a band had just started called the Beatles. Right. And you can understand what a sixteen year old girl thought about the Beatles. Uh, um, as you know, it was a crazy time and and basically she used to convince my mum that I could listen to everything from the Beatles and even stay up and watch shows, you know, and, and so as a very young child, I listened to all the Beatles music day and night. And so I can't deny that they were an enormous early influence on me because they were pretty much all I heard. I mean, then all the other stuff around it, but she encouraged me and, and played her records every day to me. And so uh, that was definitely my lead into to music as a, as a younger person. Um, I then typically went through that early 70s, you know, very much into the progressive rock and then into rock, you know, of the, you know, the Led Zeppelins and the, I went to see Black Sabbath and and um, uh, groups like Wishbone Ash and Uriah Heep and, you know, all those bands around that time. Um, I always kept a, an interest in most of the chagrin of all my friends, you know, who were all very much set in their ways. I, even at that age, I had a very wide range. I still listened to all the chart songs and they couldn't understand how I could be listening to Carlos Santana at night with them and, and then go and listen to, you know, um, um, what do you call it, uh, glam rock groups in the afternoon, yeah. you know, but I always get that very wide range. Um, quite early on, Dylan became an, a very big influence to me. He's the only person who... Um, He's the only person that I would buy anything he put out. 
he's the only person. I'm I'm very, I either you know I, I I judge a person usually on the song they put out today, and if I don't like it, I don't like it. But I'm completely blindfolded. I'm completely blind with Dylan. He can put anything out, and I'll listen to it. Um, so he was an enormous, enormous influence on me. Um, and then influences, you know. I'm a great fan of you. Obviously, know Nick Hornby, you know, and yeah. and Nick Hornby is almost exactly the same age as me. Was born in a similar area to me, and um, and has quite a few similar ethoses to me, I guess you'd say. And so I've always been attracted to his writings. And one thing I remember him saying, he wrote a book. I think it was called something like Thirty Three Songs or something. And they weren't his favourite songs, but they were songs that were important at certain times of his life. And one of the songs that he loved was a song called Late for the Sky by Jackson Brown. Yeah. And and he, but the point about it was he said, you know, I discovered that when I was 40 years old because when Jack, when Jackson Brown wrote Late for the Sky, it was 1976, and all I wanted to listen to was the Six Pistols and the Clash. And I wasn't going to listen to about some American dude sitting there singing about a lovesick breakup song. And so... I thought that was a really interesting concept and quite right that every year I go back and listen to kinds of music that I probably would never have listened to at certain times of my life, you know, and, uh, and so, you know, so I always found, I, I find his writing on music very interesting and I see a lot of similarities. Yeah. So um, after that, I started to get into a, probably you'd call it, I like a lot of slight, slightly alternative bands, um, uh, a lot of bands that a lot of people wouldn't, some wouldn't know some of them and some wouldn't. Um, groups like uh, Calexico and Neutral Milk Hotel, um, slightly alternative, um, a, lot, a lot of them are West Coast American bands, The Eels, Granddaddy, um, a lot of melody in their songs. And, um, um, and But as I said, there, there's nothing I don't listen to. Really. I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not... A huge jazz fan. I I still appreciate it and I can respect it, but it isn't a music I sit down, uh, listen to. But once you get outside of that, it's not much I don't listen to. Well, you won't be able to listen to the majority of my vinyl collection. <laughs> oh well, as I said, I respect it, and there's bits I love, and there's different kinds. Um, I, to my taste, there's some areas where it becomes too. Um, I don't know. Like, it's so improvised sometimes that I, yeah. I it loses me. You know, I, 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 somewhere in my, I guess in my makeup, I, I just I like a bit more structure sometimes. And and so yes, I can listen to some beautiful stuff. You know, I've, I've listened to wonderful, you know, Coltrane stuff and and, and and other famous people, loads of them. And there's some bits I love, you know, but. When the guy goes off and does twenty minutes of improvisation in jazz, I sort of get just for me because. I'm always looking for the structure in it, and it's not that's not what it's meant to be, you know. So, so yeah, I do I do like bits of jazz, and I um, sometimes wish I could do some, but and it's tricky. My fingers aren't what they were trying to play some of those jazz chords. I know. I think um, because the Beatles were a big influence on you when you were younger, I think that might have actually have made you more open musically because they're a band that famously you know you'd, you'd you'd have an album definitely in the later stages of the beatles post 65 uh and no no song would ever be similar to the one before you'd 
you'd have such a variation of styles, especially when yeah. you get to the stage of like um, Sergeant Pepper, Revolver, mm. and the White Album. I mean, you've got songs mm. there that are so completely different to each other. The White Album, you've got Avant Garde, you've got uh, Proto Heavy Metal, you've got Folk, you've got um, Attempting to do Reggae on Obla Di Obla Da. So there's that variation there. So perhaps that was very mm. inf influential on your wide taste in music. And, and it's a very interesting thing because people have this discussion a lot nowadays about the fact that people, generally speaking, people aren't album listeners anymore. They're songlessness, yeah. you know? And, you know, people keep asking me, I'll get a I, from also, I, I, as you probably appreciate, from all the different places, I mean, I get asked a lot of questions. And and one of the common questions is, what sort of thread do I need to put into my album and, and how should it flow and what's the best way of doing it? And, and I don't know the answer anymore because I think mm. the answer is, if, if you're talking to me personally, I, I still love to get an album and see it as a pointing time and a group of songs and listen to them in one hit and it's fantastic. But I'm in the minority. The majority of people, if you give them an album, they listen to song two and three and if they don't like it that much, they put it down and they never listen to it again or they might pick it up and then play eight there. You know, it's all what I call the Spotify and, and it's all about tracks. And I know we did that to some extent, but it is interesting that the Beatles actually were a band where a lot of their albums, if you really sat down and listened to them in one hit, they, they don't actually fit perfectly together, as you said, because they're so different. It's really interesting, even within a record, let alone across records. But um, it, it has changed. You, you, if you want to get your songs heard, you do have to hit people quick and early because if, you, if, you don't, if they don't, people don't like what you're playing them after a few seconds, they're gone. People don't have the same um, patience for a song to develop now, in my view, as they used to, and that's just how it is. It it could be a, 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 a product of the times in a way, because because everything is so here and now uh, in this day and age. You know, I, that might be simplifying it slightly. But... Oh yeah, I don't I don't think it's a thing that's unique to to music. I think that's just I think we are in a very quick gratification cycle. Things will change. It'll be different in 20 years' time, I'm sure. Things things go round and round, you know. But at the moment, people want quick gratification these days, you know, and uh, and I understand that. And, you know, people want to get their songs heard and they've got to play that game or or just go to their, what I call the more niche, niche groups. But it'll change around. Things always change around. They just, you know. We'll go through another cycle and suddenly we'll be back to concept albums again, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I hope so because I, I like the, <laughs> I, I like the, I like the, the, the art, the art form that is an album. I, I like that as a whole concept. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm back from, I'm from the days when, well, I've still got vinyl. So <clears throat> I, I still like vinyl because you've got the, the whole aesthetic of the music's there and then there's been some thought put into the presentation of it as well with the cover mm. so you know I, I still remember as a child buying or as a young adult buying albums and you put the music on and you'd have the you'd have the album on that long 
or for that long a period of time because you're because I used to just trawl through all and make sure that I wrote that I read every single thing that was written on that you know mm. on there who did what and and everything and it was and uh, it was there there were special times and you know so like I said there's almost a romanticism and I'm I'm nostalgic for that sort of thing so it's probably different look I have most of my I have most of my music in digital form now but I would say one of the most exciting days of my life was going and picking up my swag of CDs for my first album when I made it. You know, it was just, it was just brilliant. You know, like I was like, I had this, you know, big pile, whatever it was, 200 CDs of my album and it was just awesome. And I just, that was so exciting. But, and, and the truth was, you know, the vast majority of the ones I sold, I did sell a few, I was quite pleased, but they were nearly all digital, but, but, but the, the hand, having those in your hand was just fantastic. I loved it. Lovely photo. My wife took the photo of me and um, dressed up and standing by the side of the road with my guitar. And it was. And she's a good photographer. And it was just. Uh, and having this CD, I wasn't vinyl, admittedly, but having this CD in my hand, like it was really, really cool. Really cool. Yeah, both uh, both the albums that I had on CD there. That that was cool as well. I thought that because even things like on on the CD itself on the disc, you've got the I've got the picture on the disc as well on each of them. And yeah, there's something too. you know that's just rather than you know when you buy a CD a blank CD and you put music on it or whatever, it's completely different because like I said, it's it's got the actual picture on the disc itself. So there's something really different about that. It must be the same as back in the day when people would have the first albums on vinyl and you'd have like that sticker on the album itself with your name on it and you know and side one side two or side a or side b or you know or in the case of the beat of, of queen on queen two side white and side black but you mm. know it's just yeah there's but the reality these days is you know most people are digital and and the, the the hard copy, the vinyl and the CDs are very handy for advertising purposes, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I used to sell quite a few. I used to do a regular gig at a pub every Saturday, you know, and play for a couple of hours at a, at a, at a, at a, brewery, a big brewery. And, and it was nice to have a few CDs on the table. Yeah, they sell much better than people aren't going to buy your digital music. So yeah, you do make a bit out of that, but... But I just love the idea, but you just can't afford to keep doing it when you're doing albums. When you do as many as I do as well, so it's just not feasible to keep having the the. Um, I still haven't worked out a. I've tried to make it myself the covers, and it's been abject failure so far. So I'm still trying. But uh, I I can see where you you're coming from because you're you're right. I mean, even even personally, most of my listening is done digitally as well. I suppose it's streamed mm. where. You know, so it's, you've got your you've got your Apple Music and your uh, Amazon Music nowadays, and all these things, and the quality is that good now compared to mm. what it used to be. That, and also streaming speeds are a lot quicker now. So it's it's simpler to to go that way, and it's you know you you don't have to go out with a with a little Walkman now in your pocket, or you know it's it's on your phone, or mm. you know. So it's I, I could see the how it's easier for people to to listen to music that way. 
pretty tough being a musician nowadays, you know. Like, I mean, a professional musician that rely, I don't rely on income from music to put food on the table. I'm not saying I don't earn it and money and don't do okay, but I don't rely on the money from music. And I think it's pretty tough if you're trying to. Well, obviously this year particularly, but even ongoing, you know, because Spotify and all these places, you get so. You know, I've had a few songs. I've, you know, I occasionally get a check from Spotify of. Four dollars twenty-one or three dollars seventeen or something after about two thousand listens, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's certainly very difficult to make money, and uh, and I, people in the music industry have actually got to start to work out other ways of making money, you know, because it ain't easy now to make it out of, out of uh, just straight music. You've got to find other ways, and there are other ways. There are other ways. There are. Um, there are all sorts of ways you can make money. So when you're putting your show together, how do you pick the theme for the for each episode and how do you choose the songs and get hold of the songs? One. Nine times out of ten, there is no theme. Okay. There you go, that's easy. So only occasionally do I have to do a theme. I've had a few people of recent have said they'd like themes. Themes become very hard because if as soon as you have a theme, you've actually got to find enough songs that fit that theme. Um, and that may sound easy, but in practice, it's not so easy to do. Because what happens, I found, as soon as I wanted to do a theme, I found that I pretty much had to go back to the same people that I knew really well all the time. And and, and, and not being funny, but not everyone wants to hear the same, No, not everyone wants to hear the same 10 musicians every time. So to be able to get a wide range of musicians, I, I found very rarely... So the only two themes I've really done um, was one I did a Christmas special and I asked people if they would give me original Christmas songs and that was that was a big hit and my second most list uh, uh, pod ever. And the second one was only the last one, which I did from a song of skirmish. Um, but after that, between that, I do not, I do not in any way um, choose a theme. I let the music stand by itself. So... Oh, every day I'm trawling around for a few minutes somewhere, you know, and and I've obviously at the end of form last year and at 50, 90 last year and then from people I know at 100 Days of Songwriting and people at um, uh, 5 and 5 Song Fancy and from the Fearless Songwriter, I collect, have collected songs over time from all those places and contacts and, um, and there's new ones coming out every day. Obviously, once you get to a lot of people, then you subscribe and then you know you hear when the next song comes up and basically i tried i've tried as long as i could um um to to try and get new artists each time so i i i do as little repeating as i can actually come to think of it i did have one other theme if you want to call it a theme i had a listener's choice after about six or seven episodes and i asked people to send me a note of people that they'd been heard in the first six episodes and which one they'd like a second song from. So I did that. Um, but generally speaking, it's just, it is a bunch of songs. Um, I Obviously, when I get the songs together, if I'm going to have, say, um, 10 songs, let's just say 10 songs, I do look at the 10 songs and I've probably got 15 or 20 available and I out of them I pick 10 that I think give us wider spread as possible and 
and fit together in the. You know, I mean, it's it's not it's not a, a science. It is an art. You just you just got to have a bit of a feel. And I pick the ten. I think well, best go together in a way. But but I, but I, you know, I, I don't know that I really try. I I, I try very much to. Be careful how I back a song into the next one. But overall, you know, I'll play a rap song first and I might play a ballad second. But if I'm doing that, I'll probably talk for a bit longer between the two to try and differentiate the gap. Um, but but I, I try and keep as wide a range across it uh, uh, as I can. And as I say, I don't, there's no magic to choosing. But my first, my first run I look for people I have never played before. That's the first look for, unless it's a special theme, I try and play new people. Then if there's not quite enough new people, then I will um, then start to play a few songs from other people. I hunt people down, um, people I've heard that I like. I'll hunt them down if I can. Um, um, sometimes that's challenging because all of us that will go by silly names um like myself and uh, <laughs> um people don't know what your real name is and you've got to hunt them down and then you've got to you know because my, my view is I, tr- I i i i like to make sure people know that i'm going to use one of their songs you know to be fair i mean i, I don't have to because i never take a song that people don't say is available for download if they say it's available down and i technically i guess i can take it but i always try and ask people first and some people are hard to find and uh, but um, I think pretty much now I've managed to get to the, the major people that I really, really wanted to get to. And, um, and, and people still send, some people send songs to me. Other times I just go hunting. And obviously with form just been up and I, I'm a part, I keep, you probably not don't know about 100 Days of Songwriting. We've just had an EP or album challenge to write an EP, was to write an EP in February. And I think about none of those people except me are in form. And I think about 20-something people have done an EP. So there's 100 songs, brand-new songs. So, oh. you know, there's songs everywhere. And and it's not good because, you know, the form people come on, and, and I guess quite a lot of people that my listeners are form listeners, but it, even they like to hear other people too. And so, so yeah, I'm hoping to get quite a few songs out of um, 100 Days of Songwriting um, um, on their EPs that they've just released. Um and, and get another podcast out of all of that. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I've not seen any signs of running out of songs. Um, I am finding it harder to find new artists, I guess. But, but they, they appear. I'm sure there's some more informed this year. Absolutely. What was a good, just in passing, I was going to say when you mentioned about, you know, having a theme, it makes me, you know, um, uh, but Bob Dylan, I think, I think he does a great job with his theme time, Aaron. It must take him absolutely ages to come up with those songs that he has in his show. If if you know of that radio show that he does, mm, yeah, 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 yes, yeah, it's, yeah. Look, I think that's a really valid and really interesting show, and that's that's probably his uniqueness. My my uniqueness is something different. My uniqueness isn't isn't that uh, all the different songs. My uniqueness is me to be a link to each one of those people in some shape or form. That's where I'm aiming for across a wide wide range of things. It's very hard. I mean, 
don't really don't compare myself to Dylan, but he has access to such a different range of music to me. Yeah. And that's the problem. Uh, I'm limited to the number of original songs. And so if I said tomorrow I want to do all songs about the colour green, what I know is that, you know, great people that they are, but I'm going to get Alex Clages is going to do one for me and Duck Tape's going to do one and Gwyn Jones is David Gwyn Jones. Fantastic people, but I, can't, I don't want to keep using them every time in the podcast. So um, finding all the, the all the other songs for a theme is difficult um, sometimes without using the same people. And uh, So as long as the show's still interested and I'm getting enough songs, um, and if a theme appears, like Christmas was great, you know, Christmas yeah. was really cool. Um, and I think we played a lot more songs. I think we played about 16 Christmas songs and um, and there was amazing range of songs in that, you know, and some were a year or two, two or three years old and some were brand new. And that was really cool. And, and I do like the idea of themes, but just sometimes it's too hard to get a theme. Absolutely. What, what you're doing technically, it's, it's almost like the good old-fashioned mixtapes, but with you talking in between the songs. Yeah, and as I said, it is a mixtape, and it's like we did, I guess, if you like. Like I said, probably, you know, it's interesting when you talk about influences because that's that Nick Hornby influence, you know. I said about that book about places in his life and time. I like that story that goes alongside the songs. So I like the fact that I'll play your song and I'll say, this is Marsberg. I met Martin three years ago in form and him and I talked about so-and-so and we collaborated on this song and I've always been interested in the way plays guitar and you know you know and, and so that, that's my piece that's how i want to drive my podcast it's that's my little slightly unique offering is is the the relationship and i've probably lost it a little bit lately i've got to dig that back up a, a, a bit more again but um because i've got to remember they're not the same people listen every time and so i need to re-say some of those things but that's the piece i aim for so I'm guessing that when you put the show together then, that you're uh, recording the inserts with yourself separately to the music, so you'd uh, then edit that together into a cohesive, so you're going from the introductions to the show songs or the post-song chat, and then you edit the songs in at that time, or do you actually record it all as one? Do you actually do the talk and then the songs and then talk about them. I'll tell you my, I'll tell you my process, shall I? That's probably... So So normally I'd sit down and I would say, right, I'm going to... This is the week where I have um, a book review. So I send off a message to Ian Glenn Cross saying, Ian, can you do me a book review? Um, and he knows exactly how long. It's about a six-minute segment. And I've probably already selected a guest... Um, um, let's say yourself and I send you a message and say, okay, we're going to do, do, um, I want three of your songs. I'd like to have a listen to them before. Um, and I'll listen to those songs. And then I, so the, 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 the featured artist is a full is live. It's live only edited. And my rule is I never edit out. I only, I pretty much only edit it out. I never add anything. I only edit out, you know, so, so I never say anything or add anything after we've done that interview, but I might cut out. I think I've said to you previously, Martin, I usually find I edit out a lot of what I talk about because overall I usually find 
people listen to my guests, not to me. They can hear me anytime. So, so I, so that's done as a one hit. But the rest of the show, then. So now, so I then have got, um, let's say, I've got the the eight songs. I place them in my um, workstation, you know, on a timeline. I stick in the uh, piece from my interview about, let's say, the book review. Uh, I then stick in my interview, and I then draft a script. I, I, I do it in reasonably shorthand, but I put it up on the screen and I draft a script for the whole rest and I do the whole rest in one hit. The reason I do that is I find I get a better quality of recording because there's no patching or cutting. I, I start at the beginning and I do the intro. I introduce the first song. I take a breath. I do my talk about what we just heard. Take another breath. Then I talk about the second song. Then I say, and now we're going over to Ian's book review. Then I take a breath. Thank you, Ian. Then I do the next song. And I do that all in one go. I know I'm going to get a, the same quality tone. I'm going to get the same quality. Then I throw it all into my workstation and I just cut it out and fit it around the songs. And that's how it's done. I have a piece of music introducer that I wrote myself, an electronic piece of music, which is my... Uh, intro and outro, and that's how I patch it back together in one hit. So that's my process. Wow, and you've basically explained there what the structure of the show is as well, and how you structure it, which is hmm. yeah. So there you go. two for one. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you're a professional podcaster. You know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, look, it's like anything. You do it enough, and put enough pressure on yourself over time yeah sometimes you either you either would give it away or or you get better at it don't you, you know? absolutely so have you got any standout moments from your shows where you've thought you really enjoyed it or it's been something different and it's just memorable I th- yeah i think look look you're always afraid of offending everybody when you talk about highlights but i think the the best the, the most fun i had was you have a terrific musician out of London and his name is Dan Razza. I don't know if you know him. Okay. And he does a couple of radio shows um, um, over there. He's a, if you haven't listened to Dan Razza, R-A-Z-A, do yourself a favour. He's, he's on the verge of being a, a name, you know. He's, he's got some big people giving him good reviews. He's a tremendous singer-songwriter and an all-round lovely guy. And I interviewed him at some ridiculous time you know it was probably four in the morning for me and about 11 at night you know it was it, we were both at really silly times and and when I do my interviews although I only use audio I usually put the video on because I can see them and I can give people signs you know sometimes if that's handy so we'll have the video on but I don't use it for for, for playback okay. and 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 Dan Dan I had trouble. I, I always remember Dan had trouble with his camera, and I'm trying to concentrate on asking him questions. And he's upside down and sideways, and and he's the loveliest, loveliest guy. Honestly, he's a pleasure. If you can, and being that he's, he, I think he, he definitely does radio shows. He might do podcasts. He certainly would be a guy worth talking to. Martin, he's he's just a, a top bloke and a top musician. And I absolutely, my wife said to me afterwards, "You really enjoyed that, didn't you?" And obviously, it came across. Um, um, and you know, I've enjoyed doing all of the interviews with people, but Dan is just—he's just the top guy. He's just a, an absolute 
pleasure to interview. Very smart. You know, one of these guys is really laid back and then you listen to what he says and you go, that's clever. That's right. That's smart, you know. Um, yeah, I, I I will have to get him on again because he's just he's just fantastic to interview and uh, and he's been so supportive of the podcast always. Um, if I post it now, he's one of the early ones, you know, and he's, he's a busy lad and he's out there mixing it with some good musicians, but he's never not had time to give me some feedback and a thumbs up and... So yeah, Dan, Dan Razza, top bloke. Got to listen to his music. I think that's one of the good things about about doing podcast. Actually, is sometimes you can meet people who are also in the same business and make podcast, who are really supportive and they're friendly and give you advice. And you know, there's just for the most part, it's a it's a warm community. I quite like the people sometimes who you don't really, you know, least about and, and they're probably a little way out of your comfort zone. I did, I interviewed Ken Tiller. Do you know, you obviously know Ken Tiller, um, who's a young, young, a lot younger and a rock musician. Like, great interview with him. Really enjoyed talking to him. Really nice lad. Um, and, and really interesting, very different perspective. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed talking to him too. But let's say so many of them, you know, I've had so many, so many good people. Um, um, a guy that I do, who's just this year, the first time he's been on form, and he's a tremendous artist. His name's Dan Tans, T-A-N-Z. He's worth a listen to. Um, Dan has a YouTube channel and he does a song every day and he does it live um, every day, just I think, just about. And he has camera on him, and you can see exactly what he's doing and playing, and what instruments and what he's doing. And he's he's a lovely musician and a, a pleasure to talk to as well. But there's so many of them. Um, I can't even remember all the names now. So many people. Cat Pierce, um, uh, she yeah. was fantastic. She's a teacher from out of America, and plays slightly different music. She does that a lot of that Renaissance uh, stuff, and she was fascinating to talk to. And has a enormous knowledge about music so yeah they're all different in their different ways but just for out and out fun i i just smiled all the way through the interview with, with um dan Razza. he was great he was just he was just fun that's great so what podcast do you listen to yourself then john um i'm terrible with names um i've got a list of I mean, I just keep clicking on them and people saying to me, what do you listen to? Well, of course, there's pods like us, of course. We can't forget that one. That's, uh, that's the main one, isn't it? <laughs> if only. I, I, look for the, I look for the brown envelope later. <laughs> um, Checks in the yeah, pen. No, yeah, I, I listen. I, uh, there's, I just, I, look, as I said, the, the, you tell, I mean, obviously, I've listened to, I've listened to uh, G Slates one a few times. That's really yeah. interesting. Yes, yeah, very interesting people on there. That's really cool. Um, uh, I don't know if it is. It is it actually a podcast? The one that um, Callum Carlyle does. Is that would you? Is that a podcast or is it just a show? I'm I think sure. it's a podcast. I think. Yeah. So I listen to yeah. Spanish Rocks or something like that. So I listen to that one. I, I I one day I listened to that and he and I turned it on and the first song he played was Smokey Robinson and the Miracles and the next song was mine and I wow. thought. Now, there's something I didn't ever dream would happen. <laughs> no. uh, I don't know quite how well I stood up, <laughs> but, but it was still a nice thought anyway. Um, so, but, yeah, so I obviously listened to them. Um, I've got a few American ones. I, I, 
I'm quite interested in, I'm very interested in lyrics too. And I listened to a few things to Australia's people talking about lyrics and stuff like that. So, but I don't listen to hundreds of podcasts on music. Um, There's not enough hours in the day. I'm so busy building my own and so busy writing songs and I teach music and I play music and I do my own albums and, you know, and I collaborate with a lot of people and I write music offline that no one ever sees at all because it's done and, you know, doesn't ever see it because it's all under licence. But there's just not enough time. Um, So I don't listen to 100 podcasts and I actually know I should listen to more. And, in fact... Um, I think I alluded to this the other day that um, I'm I'm doing about two more episodes of the podcast and I'm having a couple of months break. That'll be the end of season one. I'm actually going away for the first time for a long time and I'm going to be away for a couple of months at least and I'll be travelling around northern Australia where, you know, where it's COVID-free and we can travel safely within a state. And I'm intending to listen to a lot more podcasts and I'll be up for hitting you up for some good tips. Yeah, that's that's similar to I think you've heard before where I've mentioned to people that I'd love to one of these days when the fifty ninety songwriting challenge is on, I'd like to do a road trip of uh, of the US, and uh, and then the idea is to stop off at different uh, homes of people who are also doing the songwriting challenge, and collaborate with them, and that would be a great time to just be able to you know in the van or whatever would be driving from place to place you know listen to listen to podcast and yeah you know sometimes a, a journey or drive driving somewhere or traveling or adventuring it's a, it's a nice place to have a podcast in the background and 5090 would be a good one because it's not got the same hectic paces as uh form has form is full on yeah. somebody sent me a message today an english gentleman like name just escapes me at the moment and uh, a very folky type singer, and he said to me, he said, John, he thanked me for commenting on his songs. He was a newbie, and he thanked me on the amount of comments I put on his songs. He said, don't you sleep or eat, because you've listened to so much and you're so much here. And I said to him, what are these concepts, eat, sleep in February? I didn't know they existed, (laughs) you know. And I do, I go, for February, I go full on, and I just sponge everything up and, do it I can do and first of March I'll I'll ease right down you know and and I probably I won't I, I'll say I won't write much but I just know I will so I'll, I'll just kind of help write in so um, it's just a matter of doing stuff I, you know I've written probably I must be nearly 1500 songs I've written over the years so it's a lot of songs but there's another I'm sure there's another 1500 in me yet <laughs> just to go on off, go off on a tangent do do you think that your um love of lyrics could be related to your your love of of dylan and and say the beatles with john lennon's writings do you think that could be what's in, influenced you to be you know for for a love of lyrics well, it's a funny it's a funny thing Martin, and i've not quite got my head around this i'm I'm a very reflective person without being morose, you know what I mean? So I, I reflect a lot, but I don't get upset about my reflections. Um, they just are what they are, um, you know, and uh, so my reflections are, are healthy reflections. Um, I, I was unfortunate um, 
um, 20 years ago now when my children were quite young, my wife died suddenly and uh, I brought up my children for a few years by myself. Um, you know, life's gone on and I've been very fortunate to meet a lovely another woman and I'm married, very happily married for, for quite a few years now, uh, for about 16 years as well. But, but the interesting thing is I'm a numbers person by a background from when I was a child. I wasn't a word person. And the reason I said this, my, fa- my first wife was a word person, loved words, everything about words. Now, and I don't know, maybe subconsciously after she went, I felt like I had to pick them up. I, mean, I, 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 I honestly don't know. But when I look back, when I was 20, I wasn't really interested in words. I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't. You know, I, I wasn't... Um, yeah, particularly interested in the words, um, but by the time I was forty, I was really interested in the words, and now I look at words before I listen to music. So I've definitely evolved. Who knows why? Possibly, possibly, possibly the great influence of my first wife on the words. Um, but you know, for, for many years I listened to songs, and afterwards I could sing you the tune, but I wouldn't even know what the words were. Uh, but now I. I'm a mine of information on lyrics. Um, so, yeah, I somewhere shifted. I, I, I don't know quite how or when. I can only guess that she had significant influence on me. Uh, um, and my current wife is is quite a lyrics person too. She, 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 if she knows the song, she'll know all the words. So it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I, um, but, yeah, maybe I'm making up for lost time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's all possibilities. But, yeah, I... Um, I'm, I'm always interested in finding a good line in a lyric. I'd, I'd rather find a good line than a good riff these days. Um, as much as I love it, and I sat there trying to find all the riffs on my guitar all the morning, but I, I love to find a new line or a saying, you know. Or I love it when I write a song where something comes together. And I think of a... I, I watched a show, and you obviously know about this, I watched a show, uh, Joanna Lumley um, on the Spice Trail yeah. about two years ago. And she went, and part of the Spice Trail, she went through the back of Turkey. And I, I, after listening to an album called Caravanserai for many, many years by Santana, I, I never actually knew what Caravanserai actually meant. Well, now I do. Basically, Caravanserai is a medieval motel. Um, that's what they are. So a Caravanserai is these little places that were on the, um, the uh, Spice Route where people would come in leave their cameras outside and stay the night in the building, which was a caravanserai. Um, and I was listening to her talk about this and she came out and she said, oh, that was a wonderful evening. It was a lovely place. I'm really, really interested. She, a really interesting place. I wish I could stay longer. But to quote a Turkish proverb, the dogs bark, but the caravan moves on. And I went, that's a song. And I wrote a song that day called that. And it is the lead track of my second album. And it's still to this day when I play, my wife plays it with me. It's one of the songs she actually sings with me. Wherever we go, people ask us to play that song. And that's, it's called The Caravan Moves On. And, you know, and that's a lyric. And that it inspired me in a second when I heard that line, the, the dog's bark with the caravan moves on. Pretty much saying life, you know, it's life and everything. It's a wonderful short way for saying so much. And uh, they're things that, my wife used to go. I think I was mad because I'd see a I'd see a sign on a shop or a, a cover of a magazine, and I'd get the phone out, and take a picture because I'd see a line that 
I'm a bit less manic than I used to be because <laughs> I've written a lot of songs. But there was a time where I was just obsessed with finding that next line, you know. It was wonderful. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's a good story about the Caravan Blues song. But it's a, and, and it's funny, it's, to this day, it's still one of my most popular songs. That reminds me of Paul McCartney with the um, uh, Run, Run Devil Run, where it's based on, uh, he saw, I think, this medicinal bottle or something in a in a North American store, and it said on it, Run Devil Run, and he just thought, <laughs> wow, I, I need to I need to do a song called that. And then yeah. he did, he wrote that song, I think, really quickly, I think he said as well. Yeah, I, I think sometimes, I mean, it's, it's there's no magic. It is 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 what it is. Sometimes you just got to do it straight away. I, oh, it's gone, you know. Yeah. This one, I, I just wanted to. For the minute I heard that line, I wanted to stop the show and go and write the song. I just, I just knew there was a song. And it was, and it, and it did write itself. Honestly, it, it it's not a particularly complex song. Uh, um, it's a relatively, it's a relatively standard progression, you know. And uh, um, it's not exactly, but. But, you know, it's a, certainly a play on where, you know, the dog barks, but the caravan. I mean, it just, it just, I just wrote it, it was done, you know. And you don't get that kind of inspiration all the time, you know. I, I like the uh, Nick Cave, uh, who actually was went to the same school as one of my sons, um, a bit later, but he was earlier. And Nick Cave once said, uh, um, inspiration is for amateurs perspiration is for professionals and uh, that's often true you know we all look for inspiration but a lot of times it's just down to hard work it is in songwriting definitely we we, we find it because yeah. you'll you'll get that initial spark and then suddenly this per, the perspiration comes where you've got to you get a good first verse and then suddenly it's like ah where am i going from here and then the sweat starts to come come out and and then it yeah. yeah people are always interested in my skirmishing because i write songs like so quick and people say i don't know how you do and, and i tell them when i was when i was about 10 years old my brother was quite a good pianist and um he used to play the piano and he had another friend who was a professional pianist who became a professional pianist and uh uh and they used to sit around playing the piano together and Kevin Chapman was the guy's name. He used to make up words. Yeah. And I would have been 10 or 11, and they were sitting there playing one day, and they got halfway through, and Kevin said, I can't forgive anything, and I sang the next four lines. And they all looked at me and said, hell, can you do that? And I said, I'd do it as much as you like. And from that day on, if someone asked me to give them four lines of verse or eight lines of verse, I could do it since I was 12 years old. So... Wow. I'm not saying that I. I'm not saying they are going to be the best songs in the world. But if you said to me, John, I, I can pick a guitar up, and if you give me a chord progression, I can make a song up and play it without any words. I can make the words up, and I can usually make it rhyme every time. Yeah. Just by doing it, you know. I'm not saying they're going to be great or anything like that, <clears throat> but it gives you a start and it gives you confidence because if you know you can write something, then you can actually spend time on writing something good because you know you've always got a backup because you can throw something together. And I used to do this at um, music festivals a bit. Um, I'd go and uh, we'd get people to give us words and we'd write a song on the spot. And it's good fun. That's fun. Well, essentially, what you're saying is, um, going back to, you know, 
there must be other people that do it as well but thinking thinking of McCartney again where he'll he'll see that he'll write a song and he'll make sure that he's just got got as much of that song done in that one session as he can yeah. even if he has to use words as what he calls block words which are yeah. just there to fill in a gap Absolutely. and then he'll Absolutely. come back to later and well most of the, a lot of the time he'll sort of like replace them and sometimes he he, he should have replaced them <laughs> sometimes that's but, true and, you know. and and when you go to sing it too you know as, like i used to get into trouble with a few of the slightly more anal people in song groups when i would write the lyrics down and then sing a song and people would say that's not the lyrics you sang because yeah. you know i'd write the song down the best i could but when i was singing it you know you feel the cadence is wrong or or you know it doesn't work. You need to say it is, you know, or or there's another word, to, another descriptive word needs to go in, or there's too much fluff, and you want to take a descriptive word out. And I, and because I'm natural of doing things on the run, my the first time I sing a song, my wife used to when she used to sing with me, she used to drive her mad because because she, she we'd be singing and I'd sing something different, and she'd say that's not what you wrote down. I said, well, I just thought that was better now, you know. I, I, I get what she was saying. She was right. But, um, but yeah, I, yeah I, I used to, so certainly from my first draft, but I would, I would say I more, more often than not get 100% of my song in some form first go. Um, yeah. um, sometimes I get only a bit done, but I'd say if I don't do it, close to finished in the first go it's usually going it's going to be a painful process it's never almost never easy if i can't do it almost all in one go for me yeah. it either goes and flows um, and then unfortunately what i find uh, i found for a while in some of my older songs and i could dig some out now and, and throw them away but because i found to my ear i know that the first half of the song's really good and the second half was just trying to finish it, you know? And it's not very good. But I, you know, because I'm that sort of person that I want to finish it, I found a way to finish the song. But the quality, you know, the first five lines might have some wonderful lines in and the rest is a bit drossy filler, you know? So I really had to work to get past that and say, well, if it's not good enough, it's not good enough. And if it is, it is. But don't just finish it for the sake of finishing it, you know, as a final finish. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely tend to finish in one go, um, as close as possible. You get a feel. You get for me. I mean, as I said, you can't speak for everyone. Everyone's got their different skills and styles. For me, I get a feel about a song. I, you know, I I feel it, and um, and if if the time passes, you I, I lose. I I'm one of those people that I lose that feel, and I. I can't remember how I felt and why I really wanted to write it like that necessarily. So if I don't get it out there and then, it's never going to be quite as good. But you know, I know others who love to play for days and days and weeks and weeks. Absolutely. So what advice would you give to people starting out in podcasting for the first time? Um, don't try and try and... Um, do the easy stuff. Try and don't try and make things too difficult for yourself. Um, play to your strengths. If you're good at interviewing people, interviewing people. And if you're not as good at cutting things up and patching, uh, do things light in one hit. You know, um, um, don't try and make set yourself unrealistic timeframes and goals. Um, 
look, unless you're trying to be a professional and make a lot of money at this, you've got to have fun doing it. If you're not having fun doing it, why are you doing it? You know, like, enjoy it. So do things that you feel comfortable with. As time goes on, same with the same with most of us when we learn to play an instrument. At first, you, you just do the basics and you just get things running. And then as you get better at it, then you experiment a bit more and you try a few different things out. But uh, I, I, you know, I talk to other good people who know about podcasting because they're the same as musicians. Most podcasters, they're generous people. They're always happy to give their. Um, advice and and just do it nice and simple to begin with don't try and be too clever you know and as i say stick to the bits that you're really good at and then develop as time goes on you do have to work out the one thing i would have to say is if you want to get a podcast and you want to get reasonably successful you have to be a bit bushy at first you know i um in music um, i tend not to be particularly pushy and I found it a little bit tricky having to push my podcast on people and remind them and remind them and remind them for a while. Um, but I, I, you know, after a while it settles down. But certainly for the first month or two of it, I pushed the podcast quite hard, um, you know, in every forum I could. And one or two times I got told to bugger off, you know. But, um, uh, you know, I tried to push it as hard as I could, Um and now it stands on its own, and I don't do much pushing anymore. But, but yeah, just just find your niche and have a crack at it. But I think that is the other piece of advice: is find try and find something just even if it's a tiny bit, just something that's your way. Try to find something that's yours. That's what I'd say, and have a go. Absolutely. Like, what's the? It's the same with music or anything. Have a go. Put it out there. People don't want to listen. They won't listen. Um, <laughs> Move on, try something different. Have another go. Do something different. You know, you just just try something and see how it goes. If you want to do it, do it. Always test the water. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And and yeah, I mean, I mean, you can get really. You know, I mean, I've worked in customer service and stuff like that. You know, you can go in and do segmentation of your customers and make sure you've got the right audience. I mean, you can go as far as you want to go, but. But, you know, for most of us who are just doing this as amateurs, you know, or, or semi-professionals at the very most, um, put it out there, see if people like it, give it a go. That's what I'd say. Same with the music, give it a go. Yeah. So how can people find your show and get in touch with you, John? Well, um, songwriters and original songs, SOS, um, on all the you know, the 155,000 channels that are available, but the obvious ones being <laughs> Apple, iTunes, together, um, Spotify, Google, you name it. My provider is Buzzsprout. Um, you can get it directly through there. I have a Facebook page called Songwriters and Original Songs, which isn't one that has enters in empty discussions. It's simply a place where I post it and people can click in if they're an FB person, so they can be notified every time when a new link goes up. I also then, as much as I can, I link all the artists that I play on there. So if people want to listen further to an artist that's been on my show, it's usually inside as a comment within that listen of the podcast. Uh, so that's where that's where you find me. Um, um, you can go there. I do also have a specific um, email address for anybody who wants to talk to me outside of any of those forums and that is 
unfortunately it's called Paradiso spelled differently. It's C C double O L P A R A D double E S O at gmail.com. So called Paradiso, but two E's and an SO on the end. And uh, um, so if people want to send me music or talk to me further, they can. But if not, go to, you know, at Facebook or Messenger and I'm pretty good at answering. I'm pretty good. I'm normally very quick in answering. So. And I'm always happy to talk to people about pretty much anything. That's great. Okay. Thank you, John. Thank you for talking to me. That's a pleasure. Nice to talk to you again, Martin. And you too. And thank you, everybody, for listening, and hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us. John, you okay? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Sorry about that. I was on the phone, so it's all right. It's okay. I was on the phone to my son in England. Wow, wow. Well, on on Messenger, he was just talking to me. Right. He said, he said, he said, I've listened to the podcast, your podcast. All right. Okay. How about, how about that? There you go. Yeah. Is he is he's listening to your podcast? No, yours. All right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I said to him, I said to him, he said, what's it called? I said, pause like us. He said, oh, that's, that's that Martin Marshman guy. I said, how did you know that? He said, I listened to it. Oh, so, isn't, that, isn't that weird? Isn't that, weird? That, is, that is very weird. <laughs> yeah. Dear me. So there you go. So wow. I've got your note. Okay. Got your, I've, got, I've got, your, got your plan. So they're the sort of things you want to talk about. Some, some Yeah. But you know me, I'm easy. Just say what you want and I'll talk. <laughs> yeah. 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 Dear me. So how's your day been? Oh, I had another shit day, Mark. This is the second time in a week I've been to a funeral. So oh, uh, unfortunately it was a it was a muso today. Um, the guy who took me out to play mandolin, two years older than me, went to bed, didn't wake up. Never been sick in his life. Wow. Terrible, eh? His wife's a... Really, really good uh, jazz singer and local identity. They're both really, yeah, lovely, lovely bloke, Rob. And he just just went to bed and didn't wake up. Had a massive heart attack in his sleep. Sixty-seven, he was. Wow, that's so. That's a, so it was a pretty sharp day, really. But yeah, he was a, he was a great bloke. He the one thing he wouldn't want us to sit around being too miserable. He was the life and soul of the party. Told the best banjo jokes in the world. So. <laughs> Makes a change to drum jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he played in he played in this uh, lovely um, trio called. Uh, so it's a, a double bass player and singer, and a banjo player and himself on mandolin, and he's a singer as well. And uh, they were called Too Much Fun, and they were they was they played bluegrass pretty much, you know, sort of. Right. And they were they were just fun, and it was it was always entertaining to go and see them because there was a lot of chat and. Yeah, they were a good band to go and watch. I actually wrote a couple of songs for him as well. So, um, and uh, I wrote a couple of songs, traded them for some more mandolin practice. So, 
Um, but yeah, he'll be greatly missed. Lovely, lovely man. But yeah, that's yeah, that's the privilege of getting old. You know, you've got two choices: you either die or you get old and watch everybody else die. So you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that wasn't meant morose. It's just it's just how it is, isn't it? You know, you know, if you get old, you get old. You're going to see the privilege of getting old is unfortunately losing people. So that's. Yeah. I'm it's sorry, life, I'm afraid. So. I'm sorry for the loss of a great man, by the sound of things. Yeah, he, yeah, he wasn't. He was a. You know, I know, I know, I know. A lot of people say shit when someone dies, but he was a pretty good bloke. This guy, he was. A, he was. You know, he was a volunteer firefighter. He'd fought fires down here in Australia. He worked for the emergency services in his spare time, and like you know, he was just like he did. He was, he was just a good bloke. And, it's just unfortunately his time was a bit too soon, really. Um, but you know, that's unfortunately sometimes happens. So, yeah. so it's been a couple of hard weeks, you know. And there's always a bit of mortality too when they're around your age group, you know. So, yeah. So, but um, yeah, it was it wasn't a funeral; it was a memorial service. And uh, right. I think we had I think we had four hundred people there I think, in a small town. Wow. So. You know, we were actually at the back, in the, or we were out there to put something at the back with speakers at the back because the, the hall was completely full and overflown. And so, yeah, big, big do, big do. But yeah, good, good man, good mandolin player, and being sadly missed in the town, you know. So, but, yeah. so, so that's the way it goes. And how are you going? All right. Yeah, not not too bad, not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And the other day was all right. Our, our um, catch up was all good the other day. I thought so. Yep. Yeah, and that's yeah, uh, good. that's re- that's ready to go for tonight. That is so. Yeah. Is that right? Oh, well, there you go. Awesome. Yeah. That's okay, a, no worries. That's a, quick, that's a quick turnaround. That one for me. <laughs> yeah. Look. Yeah, mine. Mine depends. Sometimes I, I. I think my last podcast because I did it from a skirmish, um, which is unusual for me. I think I turned it around in about three days, two or three days, and wow. and that was doing an interview afterwards as well. So I think I. I, I did the skirmish on the Saturday, I think, and on the Monday I interviewed um, Sean McGowan, you know, duct tape guy, on yep. the Monday, and I released it on the Wednesday morning. So that wow. was pretty tight. That, that was. was pretty tight. Yeah. But but you know, it's like you get pretty efficient after a while. So yeah. Maybe, but, mostly I go through and just cut out me talking. You know, <laughs> if I'm if I'm if I'm if there's I always think if guests have come on, people want to listen to them more than me. So when I do the editing, I just cut some of my stuff out if there's if we're short of time. Because you never know when you're interviewing people, you know, sometimes they'll speak forever and sometimes they, it's like pulling teeth, isn't it? It's a funny thing, isn't it, when you look at, uh, when, you, when you're editing and you see the uh, your own wavelength is like tiny compared to everything else that's going on in the show. You've got like these little bits and then there's this long bit with somebody that you're talking to and then you sort yeah. of like say a few words and then you can you can actually see it on the on the on the screen. I I've, I've got to the stage where I find it easier. I, I might have told you this. Um I actually when I, I when I've chosen all my songs and I've I have two segments, I have usually one like favourite songwriter or or it's a book reviewed by another guy I know in, in England actually and uh, and so I know I'm going to have one of them after about song three, and then I know I'm going to do an interview and do three songs after about song five. Um, then I find the rest of the songs and I throw them in, and then I actually do my own script in one go from yep. beginning to end. 
I actually do the whole thing in one go. So I talk about the first song, and then I take a breath and then talk about the second song and I go through and do the whole lot. Then I put it in and then I just patch it either side of what's the songs. Mm. I find that way I make less mistakes and and I just get one flow and, and the sound's all the same and there's no worry, you know, you know you're going to, it's going to be the same level of sound and so I just do it one hit. It's pretty nice and easy. That's okay. I mean, except for, of course, the actual interview bit, which is all done in one go. But in between each of the songs, I just, it's all done in one hit. So... You're going to have to say that all again later, you know, when I ask you. Oh, that's all right. That's okay. <laughs> that might be a secret of mine. I want to tell that one. <laughs> they might think, my people might think, God, he's good at filling all that stuff in. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, okay. I, th- I, think we'll, I think we'll just call out your, your son, if you'd like, call out his name, and I'll, I'll thank him for listening to the show. So what's your son's yeah, sure. name? Tom. Tom Nicholson, yep. Yep. So, Tom, yeah. thank you for listening to the show. <laughs> so, if he hears that, that's going to be in that's going to be in the ending bit then for him to have a listen to and hear his name. No worries, no worries at all. Yeah, he's in London. He's in. I think he's in Greenwich. Eh? I like Greenwich. I like Greenwich a lot. It's lovely there. Well, I don't know if it's Greenwich. I think he said Greenwich High Road. I think I don't know something. I, I did. I don't know very well, so I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, there's the um, there's the um, yeah this the college there for you know for well sailors I suppose or or seamen or whatever but yeah that and then there's a there's the maritime museum there as well that that's that's nice there. Of course, it's yeah. the famous Greenwich Mean Time, isn't it? So it is. Yeah. Good old GNT. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Which we're in at the moment. You are, and I'm in. Hey, I mean, I'm in the. Everyone assumes I'm in something different to what I'm, not you know, but most people always assume everyone when they talk to me, they think I'm in Australian summertime. I, I live in a, this, one of the states that doesn't have summertime. So right. I'm in Australian Eastern Standard Time. Yes. So yep. we don't, we don't, we have no daylight saving here. So right. we are the same all year. So we alternate between England. Um, nine and it moves around depending so we only change we don't we never change it's only when you go back and forward that we change right that would be so much easier (laughs) yeah it is but uh, but it gets bloody four o'clock in the morning you know but But, uh, we i'm I'm, it doesn't really matter anymore to me used to but now it doesn't matter my biggest problem is i live twin i live well actually technically i live Five minutes from the border, right. and, and five minutes away, it's an hour different. Yeah. Well, so yes. Yeah. If I if I go across the road into New South Wales and Queensland, that they uh, now it's nine oh seven there. It's only eight oh seven here. We've I could tell you some wonderful stories about that, but uh, that's a, um, I I spent for ages. I'm a bit of a techno person, so I'm pretty good for for. For my age group, I'm very, very good technologically, and and so lots of people that I know who are not as savvy, I spent ages swapping people's phones over, because in those days, people, you know, 15 years ago, people weren't as savvy, and they all used to have these problems that their phone would keep changing every two minutes every time they walked around the house. It would keep going back and forward because it was right on the border, and it knew the time was changing. So, and of course, people they just didn't know, but yeah, so you have to go and put your phone on manual because they were all on auto. Yeah. 
course. But, you know, 15 years ago, people with their iPhones didn't know about manual and auto settings and all that sort of stuff. But I had a friend across the road who said to me, my phone, I keep missing appointments. I look at my watch, it says nine, and I look at my clock, my phone, and then I look an hour later and it says eight, and then it says nine. It keeps changing. And I said, yeah, because you've got it on auto. So wherever that magnificent border is, it just knows and it just keeps clicking back and forward. So yeah, there's some challenges of border towns, I tell you, and there has been with lockdowns too. So, <laughs> but there you go. That's it's always fun. Yes. We've we 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 missed one funeral once because <laughs> we forgot. We almost missed a wedding because we forgot that we were in our different. It's it's a pain in the bum. <laughs> wow. It's a pain in the bum. That, that does sound yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's a bit odd, but uh, you don't think about these things. These border towns having different ones. Um, I've been known to go through three states and they're all in different time zones. That could be fun too. South Australia in, it has a half hour different time. It's one of the few in the world that has a half an hour. Because, you know, nearly all time zones are one hour on the line. South Australia yeah. has half an hour different. Yeah, yes, I've heard that, yeah. but um... So that's really weird. So, so if you're driving down through here, you know, it could be 9 o'clock here and then it's 10 o'clock in... New South Wales, but it's eight, so it's eight, so, and I can never work out. I, you know, trying to work out is it half an hour or an hour and a half? You know, uh, so from where we are, so it just it does get a bit confusing. But there you go, it's life. I think, the, I think that yeah, I think the Chinese chose the right way about it because when they were years and years ago talking about you know um, uh, different time zones and everything. The Chinese government said, no, we won't have any, we'll just have the same time for the whole country. Yeah, and they would be across a few zones, wouldn't they, for sure? Yeah. Not, the size of China, for sure. Yeah, the size of China, they would have had at least three or four time zones back yeah, then. But yeah. no, they're just one one time all the way across, which, which Is that right? I didn't, I, I've been to China, I didn't even notice, but I yeah. probably didn't move around very much. Yeah, yeah it would be interesting about, you know, your light and day would, that's what you get when you get a good, strong communist government, isn't that a problem? They just tell you the answer. You don't have a choice. That's true. Yeah. And, if you, and if you don't like it, they get the tanks out. So, you know. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Get out of the flowers oh. to put into the to put into the cannon. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right, you want to do this? Yep. Okay, John, we'll do this then. Right. I just follow your lead. You ask and I'll answer the best I can. You ask and then, well, I ask and then I'll just leave you to keep talking and yeah. make make everything better. Yeah, just just pull me out off. Just pull me into line if I go off wandering. It's okay. <laughs> so how was that, John? Yeah, good. No worries at all. That's fine. Thanks. I got plenty out of that. Yep. There's nothing you think that we need to touch on or that's been missed out or anything? No, I don't think so. Uh, we talked about a wide range of things in there, didn't we? So, so we did. As well as just a straight podcasting, we talked a bit about a lot about musical influences and styles and encouragement, you know. Yeah. You know, all, all, I, all I keep trying to push all the time is that most of what I do is all about encouraging people to have a go. You know, yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my big thing and that's why as, as well as the podcast that's why i listen to so much and that's why i give so many comments and offer to assist people where i can i just yeah I, I as i said i don't have a hang up about it but i know that probably i wasn't always down the fairest hand when i was younger about my music and 
I would hate to see people discouraged. So, you know, anything you can do to encourage people to to get into it is a good thing. And it's a good thing to get into. I love the positivity that you give to people when, when you leave, you know, when you leave your, your comments on people's songs and that. And it, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's like that little ray of sunshine to, to people's days when you do that. I'll just say that. That's right. You know, look, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 the, it, it's, it is a way of life for me, you know. Um, I was only talking about it yesterday. When I was a young boy, um, my father worked as a pharmacist. My father died when I was six years old, but when I was about five, my mum, my dad used to come home from pharmacy about three nights a week, and my mum would do an evening shift at a freezing works, you know. And they'd pass the baton, and my dad would sit with me at the front door. We used to have a half door across the front door, and we'd sit there. And just before she went out to work, we'd be sitting there, and he'd sit there with me and talk to me. And somebody would go past, and he'd have a chat to them. And my mum would say, "Who's that?" And he'd say, "I don't know." And she'd say, "What are you talking to him for?" And he'd say, "That poor old dear hasn't probably seen anybody else all day. I might have just made her day." And I, yeah. I, I, I can't discount that's had a big influence on how I comment on stuff like this. You know, I had a comment the other day from Carla, Liz Petty, you know, she she sent me a message. I wrote a song called, um, in a skirmish called um, Once Was a Hero. And it was one of those ridiculous, um, really, really silly um, prompts. It was pet food. And I thought, I can't write about pet food so what can I write about so my brain as it is I wrote a song about a returned war hero and how life didn't do him any good and that he was so poor he had to get rid of his dog because he couldn't afford pet food I mean it sounds pretty but it was written a bit better than that but you know what I mean yeah. and I, I wrote that and I sang it pretty straightforward and it was it was all right you know for, a, for an hour song and she came back to me and she said I listened to your song and it made me cry she, I work with animal shelters and so many people return their animals because they can't look after them. We're actually running a new program, giving people money to help them feed their pets. And I said to her, thanks for telling me that because, you know, at the end of the day, we, we, I write most of my songs, A, for myself, and B, you do hope that it moves someone. And so when somebody comes back and tells you that it moves them, and it's someone you respect as well, it's great, isn't it? It's, that's, you can't have a bigger pat on the back than that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you always enjoy that. All right. Right. Well, so how often does your show go out now? Um, so twice weekly. So I, there's two episodes every week. Oh. <laughs> how do you find the time? I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> I, I like I like to block record them, but because because I needed to buy a new laptop at some point and my old one stopped working, I, I went a month without actually being able to record shows because I do, I'm trying to do it on a seasonal basis. So I'll release them in a clump of 16, well, this this one will be 24 episodes over however many weeks, two a week, so that's 12 weeks, and then have two months off and then come back again. But the idea was originally... During the two months off, which would have been December and January, I was going to do all the recording, which meant 
that if I'd have got it all done in those two months, I could be a bit more relaxed with the editing, but because I didn't have a laptop for most of that time to be able to record with or do the show, I ended up, I, that didn't that didn't work. So I'm I'm still chasing myself now. It's yeah. It's, you, yeah. If you if you get caught in that, a couple of times I've got caught. You know, something hasn't quite happened, and you start to rush. And then when you start to rush, everything turns to shit. You know, it's yeah. it's amazing how quickly it can. You know, the recording doesn't work. I started I, one day. I started getting this crackle on my microphone. Okay. I changed my microphone. I changed my leads. I changed. I couldn't find it. I just couldn't get rid of it. In the end, I recorded my stuff on my iPad because they actually have very good microphones. I had to get a very quiet place and, of course, you've got some sound stuff, but I had to, for about two episodes, I had to move over to, to that and I took everything apart about a third time and put it together and I've never had a travel since. So who knows? But, but that, of course, happened to like four hours before I put the podcast out, you know, and, and everything then was chasing your tail after that. But... Uh, but yeah, I'm going to have a break for a don't know how long for yet. Just uh, but, so I'll do one next Wednesday, and then one maybe I'll set up before I go, and so there'll be two more I think, and then we'll and that'll take us to about 22 episodes, and then I'll have a probably a month off. I might only have a month off and do a few more and try and get a few backed up. Because I'm going away a second time, probably for about two months. So um, that'll be interesting. So. Okay. Anyway, thank you very much, John. I'll uh, chat to you again soon, and I'll let you get on yeah, with mate. whatever you're up yeah, to thanks, now. Mate. You ever get you ever get stuck? If I'm not away, I'll always try and help you out, mate. All right. Thank you very Cheers, much, John. I, I, I like the group chats as well, but so I'll invite you to one of those again sometime. So, catch you later. Thank you, John. Bye. Take care. Bye.